Awesome. This is fun. I've always wanted to be in this room. I've always walked whenever we have, because it's, it's actually quite often that we have an issue with Sylvester's, and I've always peeked in. I was, I've always been that guy when people are talking about art or something, art history. I've been always that, like, I, I look in, I'm like, ooh, this would be good for challenge. So we're finally here, and there's a feature that I love. Since we're going to get, we are going to look into the Bible, and we're going to get a little nerdy here. If you, There's a feature in this room that you might not have noticed. There's a little desk thing. So those of you that are very inclined to take notes, you can pull up your little desk and you can geek out with me for for a few minutes. Um, Because I have been geeking out about the book of 1 Peter, we are in this new series called Stand Out, Learn to Live Different, going through the book of 1 Peter. And all of last semester, I was listening to it. I listened to a chapter especially the first chapter and several chapters I was listening to every day on my, my Bible app. And I just feel like these verses are so rich with meaning that we are, we're going to spend eight weeks going through first Peter, but we could spend the whole year on it, honestly. And because God has not called you to be normal, God has called you to stand out. Why does, did God not call you to be normal? It's because normal doesn't work. Okay, normal is depressed, normal is anxious, normal is addicted, normal is selfish. God has not called you to be normal. God has called you to stand out, to be different than the world. Jesus wants to save you from a normal average life. Think about where, uh, where you are right now. Think about where you want to be a year from now. I know there's people in this room all over this room that could say, I'm a different person today than I was this time last year. There's people that because they've learned to live different, they've learned to make Jesus the center of their lives, that there's things about them that aren't true of who, the way they used to be. I don't know if I said that right. But they used to be a certain way and they're, that's not true anymore. They're different. They've learned to live different. And I could just tell story after story of people in this room that through a course, a process of change, that Jesus changed their life, and they're completely different people. Um, so that's what I actually I want. As fun as this big you know meeting is, and as fun as the fun events that we do, what, what we're about at Challenge at the end of the day is we want to see people Jesus change people's lives. We want to people to learn to live different, not just to be Christians but to really live the life that God's called us to live. So I'm going to jump in and I'm going to pray and then we're going to jump right into what we have. God, thank you so much for your grace that you really do change us, that you really do make us different, that that we can not live normal lives, that you can call us to live this life that's different than the way we used to be. So I pray that over, this would actually start for many of us, a, a, a domino effect of life change, that a year from now we would be a different person. And I, I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're gonna look at 1 Peter. We're in 1 Peter 13, and the verses are on the screen, also on your handout. So the first verse, it says, so prepare your minds for action and ex- exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. 1 Peter 1.13. Prepare your minds for action. Your thought life 
is the, one of the most important things about your life. It, your thought life determines the direction of your life. Your thought life is like a rudder that will steer your entire life. Proverbs 23, 7, it says, For as he thinks in his heart, so he is. So as a man thinketh, so he is. That's the King James Version, it says that. Your, your thinking determines the course of your life. So if you want to change your life, change your thoughts. Change the things that you dwell on, the things that you think about. And according to this verse, you can actually control your thoughts. You can learn to exercise self-control in what you think about. And this is something that actually God has completely changed my life in. Let's look at the passage. It says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be, in another translation, it says, be sober-minded. Exercise self-control. Be sober-minded. The imagery here is as if you were going into a battle. You're heading into a battle. This is what it's saying. And has anyone been into battle in war? Okay, no one? No one's been to war. So it's hard to imagine, but has anyone seen Saving Private Ryan? Okay. Okay, this is the imagery. The guys that are coming up on the boats on D-Day, they're about to storm the beaches of Normandy, beaches of Normandy, and the guys are like, they're sober-minded. They're prepared for action. They're, they're focused. They're not thinking about, what are we going to have for dinner? They're thinking about life or death. The battle for your life is the battle for your mind. The battle for your life is the battle for your mind. When you... This is what the, this passage is teaching is we need to, as followers of Christ, have a focus and a focus on God and, and a self-control. The closest thing that I've ever experienced to this, this intensity of focus, was I was getting, to, getting ready for my state championship basketball game. And I, I was like pacing in the halls. I was so nervous. I had to go to the bathroom like 20 times just in case. I was, I was in the zone. I was getting in the zone. I was focused, and we won, by the way, so that's good, so it worked. But, but man, that is the, the picture that this passage is giving us. It's saying, focus yourself, get focused, be sober-minded, be self-controlled. And honestly, one thing I'm concerned about is because I used to be this way. A lot of you, I would venture to say most of you in this room have very undisciplined and tangled-up thought lives. A lot of you have very thought lives that are very anxious, very sinful, very wrapped up in yourself. And I know I can confidently say that because that's who I was. I was addicted to a lot of things. I had tons of fear in my life. I had tons of insecurity. And over the course of about 15 years, God's just slowly unraveled. And I've learned to train my mind. God's transformed me where I have moments in my life where it's just this joy and peace that I'm like, oh man, I want everyone to experience this. I want everyone to experience this joy, this peace. I was ADD before ADD was a thing, okay? <laughs> I had ADHD and they, they invented it because they saw, look at this Paul guy, this is, this is it. Um, but if I can learn to discipline my mind, then you can, okay? A lazy thought life will produce a weak Christian. A lazy thought life will produce a weak Christian. I, I, all the time, I used to struggle, and I used to, to be undisciplined, and I would let my mind go off in different directions. But recently, even more recently, in the last couple of years, I've been being more focused on being self-controlled in my thought life, and the fruit has been amazing. 
Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Romans 12, 2. You really can be free from fear. You can be free from anxiety. You can be free from lust. God can change your mind. He can free you from the things that are holding you back in your mind. He can do that. It transformed in the Greek is metamorpho, change after being with, and changing form in keeping with inner reality, properly transformed after being with, transfigured. So the metamorpho is the root to the English word metamorphosis. So anyone know what metamorphosis is? It's when the caterpillar becomes a beautiful butterfly, okay? It's the transformation. It's, a, it's this amazing thing. You go from something ugly to something beautiful. And that's what God wants to do in your thought life. A lot of us, honestly, if we're honest, our thought lives are ugly. But God can cleanse that. Jesus can cleanse you from that, and he can lead you in a process to where your thought life is something beautiful before him. But transformation, you want to change your life, it starts right there. It starts in your mind. And there, I want you to avoid this thought. It's, this is a lie, that a thought is just a thought. It's not true. A thought is not just a thought. A thought can, can turn the direction of your life towards a certain direction. A verse that I'm currently working on memorizing is Jeremiah 17.10. It says, but I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. So it's actually a cop-out to pretend that you, you can't control your thoughts. It's, oh, it's just a thought. It's just a thought. Okay, let me, let me clarify something here. Yes, there is, you're going to have random thoughts, and you can't control everything that passes through. And I came across this great quote by Martin Luther. It says, you cannot keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. Okay, so you're going to have thoughts. You're going to have lustful thoughts. You're going to have fearful thoughts. You're going to have all sorts of thoughts come into your mind. It's kind of like I heard one person say, it's like the Serengeti it's like people, there's all sorts of stuff just coming through there, okay? So there's all sorts of things just passing through your mind, but you have a choice what you're going to dwell on. And so that's what I want to challenge you. Don't dwell on it. Don't let the birds build a nest in your hair. The enemy, Satan, actually throws fiery darts into your mind. As soon as you start trying to follow God, there's going to be all sorts of doubts. There's going to be all sorts of fear. There's going to be all sorts of temptations coming to your mind. And you need to learn to fight that temptation. So Ephesians 6, 16. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So once you get serious about following God, you get on the enemy's hit list and you need to learn to put up the shield of faith to let things bounce off of you. Ain't nobody got time for that. Nope, nope. All the time, I, actually all the time as I'm serving the Lord and the, actually the more God uses me, the more the enemy attacks me. And I have to constantly say, nope, like SpongeBob going into the, you know, into the, the sand. That's what I'm doing. Nope. I, I just got to say no. Um, I got to decide to get away. So what you need to do is not let those, those doubts, those fears, those, that lust, that bitterness, get a stronghold in your mind. You got to not let it get you. You have to not dwell on it. 
Um, you have to practice self-control. Proverbs 25, 28, it says, like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. And in the Bible times, this, the, a city that didn't have walls was like a, sit, a sitting duck. It was like, please come attack us and pillage us, okay? It was just like a, a wall. A, so a person that doesn't have self-control is just going to get taken out spiritually, you're, you're going to have all sorts of damage in your life. If you can't learn to, to control your thought life, there's going to be all sorts of problems in your life. It's a heavy one for me because I've experienced this where I didn't have self-control and I've faced the consequences in my life. 2 Corinthians 10.5, it says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 2 Corinthians 10.5. Again, I love this phrase. It says, take every thought captive. If you want to underline something, underline that. Take every thought captive. And this is another military terminology where it talks about how you actually need to take your thoughts and tell them where to go. If it's a bad thought, put it in prison, lock it up, and throw away the key. Just learn to have self-control in your thoughts. And this is something that over time, you're going to learn how to do this, and you're going to gain more and more freedom in your walk with God. So how do you do this? You may be thinking to yourself, like, okay, that sounds great, Paul, but how do I do this? The first way to do this is by memorizing and meditating on key Bible verses. This is the secret sauce for people that learn to overcome these negative thoughts in their life and learn to have self-control in their thought life. I remember the most, one of the most life-changing moments in my life was I was a little freshman punk, and I was a skater boy, say see you later boy. I was like, it was, I was a, I was a chump. But I met with my director, the guy that was, had my job at the time, and my, my twin brother, we sat down with him, and he just had us start memorizing verses. So he said, okay, what you're going to do is you're going to do scripture memory. He had a broken vocal cord, so he's just like, scripture memory, memorize this verse. And I had this noble ambition in my heart, not to be the twin that didn't have his verse memorized. <laughs> that was my noble ambition. And so I memorized my verse that week, and I had it just so I could look good in front of Max. But God's word is sneaky, okay? God's word, after three or four weeks of me having not best motives to memorizing verses, God's word started to change the way I think. It started to, I, I started to see the world in a different way. He's, I, and over the course of that semester, I memorized about 10 or 15 verses that semester, and my life was completely changed. It's just from memorizing God's word. There's something powerful. There's something real about God's word in your life. Hebrews 4, 12, it says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You might want to jot that one down. Hebrews 4, 12. If I could go back to your age, I would put myself on a strict regimen, just like you football players hit the weights and eat well and all that stuff. I would put myself on a strict regimen of scripture memory. I would be, if I could go back, I would do that. The, the verses, I've I memorized several hundred verses since then, and those verses have transformed my life almost more than any other habit in my life. Though It's almost even better than my quiet time. Scripture memory has almost meant more than my daily time alone with God in Bible reading and prayer. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that or not, but it's true. 
Um, it's also, it's warned me when I'm tempted. The verses I've memorized have like seriously caused me to avoid temptation. It's corrected and renewed me in the gospel when I've sinned, which I sin a lot. So it's really renewed me. The handful of times in my life that I've hear, heard the Lord speak clearly to me, it's when, from a verse of scripture that I've memorized. A Bible verse that you've memorized is the Holy Spirit's vocabulary to you. Actually, almost every time I've heard God speak in kind of a mystical way, it's through a verse of scripture that I've memorized. And almost my entire ministry is from verses I memorized. So I just want to motivate you. It's, this will change your life. My mentor, Max Barnett, said, if, he put, if you put a million dollars right here on the table and said, I'll give you this million dollars if I can just erase all the verses you memorized in college. Max Barnett says, I wouldn't touch it. I would be tempted, okay? I would be a little tempted. No, I wouldn't touch it. I think the, the value of scripture memory is the most, my verses that I've memorized is like the most precious thing to me. It is so precious. Dallas Willard, Willard said this. He said, Bible memorization is absolutely fundamental to spiritual formation. If I had to choose between all the disciplines of the spiritual life, I would choose Bible memorization because it is a fundamental way of filling our minds with what it needs. I would agree. This is, if you're going to do one thing to change your thought life, it should be scripture memory, memorizing verses and meditating and thinking about how they apply to your life. Now that's not emotional. That's not even that exciting, but the results are exciting. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Next thing is limit your media intake and increase your time learning about God. You want to limit your media intake. This one's so key. There's been study after study that's done basically saying Netflix, social media is making us all dumber. Okay. We are all getting dumber because of these social, these addictions of social media and these, the Facebook guys and different people like that, they are actually experts at getting us addicted to their devices. Their, their little thing. They've actually got it down to a science to make you want to click and want to do this and want to do that. And I'm not, don't hear me say media is bad. Media is sinful. You need to, you know, don't hear me say that because I love Twitter. Okay. Follow me as I follow Christ. Okay, guys. Yeah. Uh, I love Twitter. However, if you're snapping your friends 24 seven, you're not going to be faithful. You are, you are not going to be the kind of person that is going to be changed from the inside out. If you're constantly on Snapchat or whatever you cool kids are doing these days, I'm still old school. I like Twitter. So one goal that I've made is I've decided that I'm going to try to not get on social media until I've read my Bible and I've done my scripture memory, and I've prayed. And so that has forced me every time I'm, I may be a little addicted. That's the first step to admitting to the life change. Okay, so I, I'm tempted to get my Twitter app. I wonder who's retweeted me. Oh, okay. I got to make my first app the Bible app every day. I want to make the first app of the day my Bible app. And as I've gotten into that habit, that has transformed my life. Maybe that's something you need to make a goal for. Maybe you need to make a goal this week, this month, my first app of the day is going to be the Bible app. 
Another thing I do um, to limit my media, and actually you can redeem media. So I just got a pair of AirPods for Christmas, and so I'm one of those people, and all you underlings, you know, like, I, I just got one of those, all you poor people down there. No, no, I got some AirPods, and I, I love listening. And one way I, I've redeemed social media is I have some audiobooks, I have some podcasts, I have some sermons, and I'm constantly pumping myself I actually, don't try this. I, I've tried to have one headphone for audiobooks and one for my wife. Married guys, don't do that, okay? That doesn't work. But I, I, I see there's, you, when you, you can have a hunger for God. You can grow in your hunger for God. You can learn so much about God. I've, this year, I've read about 50 books in the time that a lot of you guys have wasted. Just through audiobook and through podcasts and things. You can, you can learn and about God in time that most people waste. So pump your head full of things about God. So I'm not advocating legalism here. I'm not saying you should never watch Netflix. You should never get on social media. And the last thing I want you guys to start doing is to impose your own perspectives and legalistically say, oh, you guys shouldn't watch Netflix. You shouldn't do this. Because that's, that doesn't help anyone. That's just whack. No one wants that, okay? But here's a good filter to put on your media. This is something I do. I really try to consider what shows I watch, what I listen to, what I do. And so if it's Philippians 4.8. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Philippians 4.8. P.S. guys, Valentine's is coming. This is a good pickup line, okay? <laughs> I've been thinking about something lovely. It's you. <laughs> I used it on my wife when I was a sophomore. Hey, I'm married now, so my girlfriend. <laughs> Just saying. Okay, the next thing is grow your prayer life systematically and strategically. Grow your prayer life systematically and strategically. It's amazing how God can transform the way you think just by being in, your, in his presence. The other day, actually several times in the last couple weeks, I was wrapped up in my own anxieties. I have a lot of things our family's dealing with. I was grumpy. Ask my wife, I was grumpy. I was, I was almost getting to the point of being depressed. And so it was, just, it was just one of those days. Anyone have those days? Okay, we got some honest people in here. So what I did is I did what I, I asked, talked to my wife. I'm like, I need some time. I put on some of my favorite worship tunes, and I just laid in the bed, and I just prayed. I just said, God, help me. And I just spent about 30 minutes with God. And it was like the anxiety, the fear, the depression just lifted off me. It was like I was like skipping out of the room. Like God, and, and this, I, this happens to me more times than I can count because th there's nothing that can solve your problems like God's presence. Like God wants to be with you. He wants to get to know you and he wants to, he uses your fears. He uses your insecurities. He uses your anxieties and he's there for you. God is always there for you when you need him. Psalm 94, 19, when anxious thoughts multiply within me, your consolations delight my soul. This is what I want for you. I want each one of you guys to experience a real relationship with God. 
I'm not talking about a, a kind of checkbox Christianity where I have to read my Bible, okay? I'm a good Christian. I have to, you know, not do bad stuff. It's about knowing God. Christianity is about getting to know the God of the universe. When you get into your prayer life, it's not about accomplishing something. It's about knowing someone. It's about knowing the God of the universe. Don't try to save the world in one prayer in your prayer life. Try, just try to get to know God. Let him minister to you. Let him speak into your life and get to know him. And then you're going to be motivated to change the world. When you get changed by Jesus, you're going to be motivated to change the world. So for me, just blocking out some extra time in my own prayer life has been made all the difference. So in my time with God right now, I'm trying to block out about an hour a day where I spend with God. And so that I can read my Bible, I can pray, I can memorize my verses, and I'm not rushed. I can be spontaneous. You want to be, in your devotional life, you want to be systematic, you want to have some plans, and you want to be spontaneous. So you want to really, just like any good relationship, you want to go to in and out late at night or whatever. You want, you want to be spontaneous, okay? So this is my prayer for you. The, these are the three things that will help you develop a, a positive thought life, a, a thought life that's centered on God. So let's jump right into this First Peter passage a little further. It says, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16. I want you to underline a phrase that says, don't slip back. Don't slip back. Because no one slips towards holiness, okay? <laughs> Slipping is the natural thing you do. You slip back. And that's just like, we naturally fall back into sin. We naturally go back into our old life. But you have to intentionally pursue holiness. And what is holiness? Holiness in the Greek actually means set apart. It means different. It means you stand out. It means you're living different than the world. You're choosing to live by a standard that is up to the stand God's standard. Last time I checked, holiness is a high standard. Last time I checked, God's holiness is here and we are here. And we can grow progressively more holy and closer and closer to God. Be, God said, be holy because I am holy. That's what God said. And so don't settle for what other people are doing, what other Christians are doing. Try to really strive to be holy before God because a holy life is a happy life. There's, there's something about being holy that the more, my most joyful moments in my life are the moments that I'm closest to God, the moments that I'm most being obedient to God. Those are the most happy moments of my life. Like, I don't know, yesterday, this is kind of funny. I was in the bathtub, which is weird. <laughs> but I was just like so happy, just thinking about all the things that God is doing. And I was just having a moment with me and God. And it was just like, there's, there's things are right in the world when your life is right with, with God. <laughs> I wasn't planning to tell you that. <laughs> so there's, there was some confusion last week when I talked about God's holiness credited to our account. Um, we're going to look at two theological words. Um, there's, the first one is justification. You can just jot that word down, justification. And it's on the screen. It means Christ's holiness credited to our account because of his death and resurrection. 
This is an event that happens once and for all. It never changes. So when you are saved, the holiness of God, of Christ, is credited to your account. Jesus died on the cross in your place for your sins. And so you are holy. When God sees you, he sees the holiness of God. Okay? So that's justification. Okay? So according to God, the way he sees you, you are justified. Okay? Then there's sanctification. Sanctification. You can write that down if you want. What that means is a continued growth and progress towards holiness of character. So you're not perfect, are you? So, but God wants to continue to help you grow more and more like Christ. He wants you to, your holiness to grow over time. And there is a mystery between these two things, but it's a beautiful mystery where God changes us over time. So if you were wondering about that, you are holy. When God sees you, he sees the holiness of Christ. But then there's also a sense where you can grow progressively more and more holy. You can grow in character and become a, a more solid follower of Christ. So, but we obey God not to earn his favor. We don't try to be holy to earn God's favor. That was taken care of on the cross. Jesus died on the cross. We, we obey not to please God, we obey because we, God is pleased with us. We obey because we are saved, not to earn our salvation. When you are born again, there's something that happens where God gives you a desire to be holy. He gives you a desire for that. It may be hard to believe, but that sinful habit, think of a sinful habit you have. Don't say it, okay? Think of it. What's a sinful habit that you feel like you're stuck in? Think about that for a second. That sinful habit in your life can one day just be a minor temptation. That addiction in your life can one day just be something, a minor, it's always gonna be a temptation, but it can be a, become a minor temptation. And I wanna say right now that God has done that in my life. And I'm gonna share more of my story in some of these things later. I actually wrote it all out and we would be here for too long. <laughs> but there's some real things that God did in my life to what used to be an enslaving addiction is now just a minor temptation. And so God can take you on a progress, a path of holiness towards becoming more and more like God. Let's jump back into our passage. First Peter 18 and 19, it says, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. After, God, after um, Peter gives a strong call towards holiness, he reminds us of what Jesus has done. So he's saying, be holy just as God is holy. And then he's saying, but remember, the power comes from Christ. The power comes from what Jesus has done on the cross. Our motivation and power comes not from ourselves, it comes from what Jesus has done on the cross. Your motivation to live a holy life doesn't come from you. That's the good news. You don't have to do it on your own. God's, God's power comes from Christ's cross. God's power to live, live is Christ died on the cross. It reminds you, this passage also reminds me of how valuable you, I am to God. It reminds me of how much God loves me. It says this, it says, you were ransomed. You were ransomed. God paid a ransom to save you. With what? Gold, silver? No. It was from the precious blood of Christ. 
If you ever wonder how much God loves you, God sent his son and spilt his blood for you. You're, the, the blood of Christ is what, how valuable you are. So you should never doubt that, how, much, how, value, how valuable you are to God. This chapter closes with a powerful reminder of how short life is. Let's look at it. Look at it. 1 Peter 1, 23 through uh, 25, actually. That's a typo. 1 through 23 through 25. For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people all are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The, gr- the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. 1 Peter 1, 23-25. If you're a follower of Christ, your eternal life starts the moment you accept Christ. If you're not a follower of Christ, your eternal life can start tonight. You can choose to accept Christ and allow him to change your life. And it's a process of getting to know him better and better throughout your life. This is what I I pray for each of you. Choose to follow Christ because this life is so short. This is what this passage is saying. It's comparing a flower in a field. A flower, how short is my wife, Christy, um, she has we just bought a new house so she has planting hour where she makes me go out and dig flowers and dig holes for to put plants in and stuff like that and she's really obsessed with planting these flowers she has this it almost looks like she's growing something else in her garage she has all these little things some heat lamps and and I go in there and it's like what are you growing but she's she's planting a bunch of flowers and I'm, I'm excited for her, but, but also I'm like, these are only going to last a month. And she's like, shut up. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I've learned to just not close my mouth. But that's, that's the illustration that this passage is saying. It's saying flowers are so temporary. They're just here today and gone tomorrow. And that's what your life is. Your life is short. Your life is so temporary. Next thing you know, you're going to be standing in front of God. Just like that. Next thing you know, you're going to be standing in front, in front of the judge of the universe. And I, want to, I have a question for you. Will you be ready? Will you be ready to stand before God on that day? Do you know Christ? And are, is the way you're living your life makes sense based on that fact? Have you ever thought about how long forever is going to be? I want you to take one second. Think about how long forever is going to be. Just take a second. It just boggles your mind. It just is mind-blowing to me to think about forever. John Newton in Amazing Grace said, When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. It's impossible to exaggerate how long forever is going to be. And the good news is, we can know where we're going when we die because of what Jesus did on the cross. You can accept Christ tonight. And also for those that follow Christ, we can live a life that's going to matter a million years from now. The things that we're choosing to live our life for is going to matter 10,000 years from now, a million years from now. They're things that we invest in. So that's why I, I want to live for Christ. I want to invest in what's going to matter a million years from now. And that's my prayer for you. Let me join me in praying. 
Father, thank you so much for your word, for what you've given to us in 1 Peter and just how powerful these passages are. And I pray for each one of us in here that we would take what you've said in your word and we would apply it to our lives, that, that you would speak to us, even during this time of worship, that you would call us, you would call out those, those sinful habits that we have in our life and you would speak grace to us. You want to you change us. You don't want to condemn us. You want to give us freedom. You want to give us peace. You want to give us joy. And so I pray that for every person in this room, that we would surrender those broken, those dark places in our lives to you. We let you speak into those, and we let you change us from the inside out. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.